0: God, we thank you for being so gracious and so good. We pray now that as we continue to worship you through your word, that, Lord, your spirit would speak into our minds and our hearts. I pray that the words I speak may not be my words, but yours, Lord. Pray that I will diminish and you will increase. And I just ask that your spirit will bring that transforming power of your word to renew and restore hearts this morning. for I pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. I grew up in a very old home. It was 100 years old back in the 50s, so it was built around 1850. And I remember when we moved from Chicago to Berwyn, and this place had been abandoned. It was a garbage dump alongside. And my mom and my dad worked so hard to begin to restore it. They, they redid. It was a three flat. And they redid the bottom flat. And they ended up renting that to my, my aunt and uncle and my cousins. So we grew up together um, in the same home. And then we lived upstairs. And I remember... We washed dishes in the bathtub for six months while Dad was rehabbing all of that. Well, the thing that I remember most about this home was the basement. I mean, it could come out of a horror flick. It was scary. Just scary. It was big and it was dark. And you'd think they would have run electricity all over the place and be able to flip on lights, but they didn't. Mm -mm. And inevitably, since the laundry was downstairs, mom and grandma would say, Craig, go down to the basement and get this for me. I dreaded going down in the basement at night. It was dark. Now, what you have to picture is about... 20 feet from the entrance to the staircase going down is the light in the ceiling of this main entryway. And there is no light on the staircase. You have to go all the way down the stairs to a landing, turn, make three more steps, and then you got 15 more feet before you can get to a pool chain light. I'm telling you, I was. Terrified. Going down was scary. Coming up, even scarier because I knew whatever was lurking in that darkness was going to try to grab me. As a freshman in high school, I leaped that platform in one bound and proceeded, because I had leaped so high, to hit a three-inch cast pipe with my head. I saw stars, but I kept going. I had pain, but I didn't stop. By the time I got to the top of the stairs, blood was dripping down my face. I split my head open good, but they didn't get me in that basement. I guess maybe I was a big scaredy cat. I don't know. But all I know is going down into the basement was a spiritual experience for me. I was praying the whole way down And the whole way up. And had I known the 23rd Psalm back then, I probably would have said it. The whole way down and the whole way up. It is one of the best known and most beloved of all the Psalms. It inspires great confidence and trust in the Lord. And I have found throughout the years, after I became a believer, that I have often recited that psalm in difficult times. In difficult spiritual times of warfare, when real evil was present and could have done great damage, yet I would speak that psalm out loud to myself, reassuring myself that He is the Good Shepherd and nothing can happen to me that He doesn't allow. And I have reassured myself when I've gone through personal hardship, by reciting that psalm over and over again until peace would fill my heart, reassuring myself that God has not abandoned me. I am not alone. He is with me. So the first in Psalms that inspire that we're going to look at today is the 23rd psalm. Interestingly enough, I went back through all my computer files to see if I had ever preached on it. This is the first time I'm preaching on the 23rd Psalm. And why God moved me to preach it from the standpoint of a sheep, I have no idea. I am a city kid, and the closest thing I've come to a sheep is an encyclopedia. Now, I've been a little closer to sheep, but fortunately, um, there were some wonderful resources. I'll tell you about one of them um, that was very helpful, gave me quite a perspective on all of this. And I hope it will provide a perspective for you, you know, one that is reassuring. The big idea today is this, that God's intimate and steadfast care inspires a deep and abiding trust in the Lord. God's intimate and steadfast care inspires a deep and abiding trust in the Lord. Now, I'm going to put the 23rd Psalm up here on the screen. And you know what I'd like us to do? Could we read that together? Would that be okay? Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Comforting even just to say it, isn't it? Moves your heart. I could just let that be the sermon. It would be enough. But let's see if I can unpack it a little bit from the standpoint of a sheep. Anybody here got farm experience? Oh, okay, anybody here got sheep experience? whoa, okay, so you guys keep me honest, all right The first thing that we get in this um is The acknowledgement of an intimate relationship with our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Since this is written from a sheep's point of view, we need to understand sheep. My mentor's wife had grown up on a farm. She had grown up with sheep. And I remember asking some questions of her about sheep, and she said, oh, sheep are not very smart at all. I wonder why the Lord calls us sheep. It's just a question. Well, to understand sheep, there's a few basic things we need to know. First, they are a herding animal. They have strong flocking instincts. They want to be together. That's important to them. Their flocking instinct is so strong that there are recorded cases like the one in 2006 when 400 sheep went to their death in a ravine. Unattended by the shepherd, one of the leaders among the sheep decides to cross a 15-foot ravine. And all 400 of the sheep followed to their death. That's how strong their flocking instinct is. They flock together in part because it's how they protect themselves too. Sheep are also very social animals. And they are easily Socialized. The older ones can easily teach the younger ones what they need to know. And the shepherd can easily teach his sheep to follow him. In fact, one of the things that happens is that sheep really get to know their shepherd. Not only by what they see when they see the shepherd, but also by the voice of the shepherd. Sheep, of course, are very docile. Right? They're not aggressive. They're easily frightened. And it's been said that they would be unable to survive alone in the wild if a predator were present. You can imagine that. They have strong senses. They rely heavily upon vision and hearing. They have a pretty good sense of taste. But they have a poor sense of touch except in their head where the wool isn't quite as thick. If this psalm is to move you and move me, then we must identify with the sheep. We must identify with having complete reliance upon the shepherd. Sheep are not going to make it without a shepherd. They are completely dependent and reliant upon him. Now this psalm is a metaphor of the Lord as a shepherd and God's people as his sheep. And while David, uh, it says in the beginning, a psalm of David is the author of this, so we shouldn't be surprised, right? Because he was a shepherd, started out as that. The theme of the Lord as shepherd goes long prior to and before David's time. Jacob, when he prophesies over his sons and blesses all twelve of them, says that the Lord is the shepherd, rock of Israel, over Joseph when he speaks of how the Lord had preserved Joseph. And Moses refers to the fact that the people are like sheep. So this is not a new metaphor. And to help us with this shepherding analogy and to help us understand this sense of complete reliance, I want to turn to what Jesus had to say about the shepherd and sheep. Look up here. Jesus was talking to the the people and he said, Truly, I say to you, he, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief or robber. At night, the sheep would come into an enclosed area and the entrance through which they came was the place where the shepherd slept. That way, nothing could come in or out without him knowing it. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. They're skittish animals. And Jesus goes on to say, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What I want us to picture this morning is as we picture this relationship with the shepherd, that the picture of that shepherd is none other than Jesus who has laid down His life for us. Who has made a sacrifice for us. Now the psalm goes on to talk about the journey in the pasture. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. I guess if you're a sheep, a pasture is a pretty good place to be. You're under the watchful eye of the shepherd. You're with all your buddies and sisters and friends. You can graze and eat and drink in peace. But here's the deal about that pasture. Sheep will not naturally move from it to another spot. A shepherd has to move them. And if sheep are allowed to just stay in that one spot, they will ravage the land because they pull grass out by the roots. The shepherd knows this. And so while they feed upon that pasture ground, he'll lead them another pasture nearby so that the land isn't ravished and so that it can become a place again that is lush and full where the sheep can eat. One of the things that um, I learned most recently since I didn't know much about sheep, I read a very classic book by Philip Keller who is both a shepherd and a pastor. And it's entitled, The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he notes that the waste products of sheep are very rich fertilizer for the land. And even where fields have been decimated by the poor stewardship of a bad shepherd, that land will regenerate pretty quickly because of the richness of the fertility of their waste. Sheep are skittish and fearful animals, so fast-running streams make them afraid. They're not going to drink at it. They will only drink where there are quiet, still waters. And the well-worn paths that are talked about here are the paths that lead from pasture to pasture to pasture where they go every year, and where they may graze and flourish under the watchful and careful eye of the shepherd. In the pasture, God provides for our needs. He ensures that we are cared for, that we are fed, that we are refreshed. And when it comes, I think, to our relationship with that good shepherd, when things are going well, that seems pretty easy. Seems pretty easy to be thankful. Seems pretty easy to just enjoy it. But we have to be careful not to take him for granted. We have to be uh, be careful not to take his leadership and guidance and care For granted, otherwise, like some sheep, we will wander off. And when I talked to my mentor's wife, she said, Oh, she said, sheep gets about 20, 25 feet from the entrance to where it's supposed to go. It'll never find its way back. It gets lost. So we need to be careful when we're in the pasture not to wander off. There are predators out there, and we may not find our way back to the good shepherd. Well, the journey of the sheep goes from the pasture through the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When the summer begins and the heat starts to set in, the fields... And the pastures need to replenish. The sheep have eaten upon them. It is time to head for the hill country. The fields there are untouched. And it is cooler in the higher ground. But, but, the flocks must travel through the valleys. They cannot climb the rocks. And the valleys between these hills to get to those heights, those highlands, are the valleys that they must travel. Those are the gentle climbs that they can carry. In the rocks and the caves of those hills lie the predators, and they are dangerous. So, when the shepherd takes the sheep through the valleys to the highlands... He and his herders are on high alert, especially at night, because predators love to come out at night and they can easily ravage a flock. The shepherd carries with him a rod. It is a walking staff, but it is also a weapon. And it is a tool. It is a tool used to nudge sheep here or there. People need nudging, don't we? I remember when somebody called me pastor and said, you're the shepherd. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. I don't think I want that responsibility. I'm thinking sheepdog. That's me. My job is to nip at your heels and keep you moving. Yeah, I came to realize, yeah, not so much. But the shepherd uses his staff to nudge. To move you along in the right ways. To discipline and provide for his sheep. But that staff is also a weapon. It can be wielded as a club or it can be thrown to wound or scare a predator. Through the valley, God protects us. He watches out for us when things are dangerous. He protects His sheep from evil so that nothing will steal them away from Him. Jesus is that good shepherd who keeps us safe from harm. That is a fact I rest upon often in my life. And I often talk with with people who are struggling because they, they haven't been faithful enough. They've fallen into sin. They've fallen away. They don't deserve it. And I try to tell them God's grace is enough. It's not dependent on you to be with God. The promise that God keeps this and keeps us safe is His promise to be faithful, that He can do what we can't do, and He can bring us close to Him again and not let us go. And I know that's true. And it reminds me when I struggle sometimes, he's not letting go of me. And he won't let go of you. Somebody here today may feel very unworthy. You've come back maybe to just look for his God around. Is there a way to connect? I just want to share with you, he's the good shepherd. He won't leave you. He's calling you back. Let His grace wash over you. The psalm moves on to the table. We read, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, there are some scholars who say that this is a change in the metaphor From the Lord as shepherd to the Lord as host. But there are other scholars who say it's unnecessary. And after reading Philip Keller's book, I think it is unnecessary. Because shepherds call the plateaus of the highlands tables. That's how they refer to them. Once there, the sheep will spend months grazing and feeding in those fresh fields. Philip Keller, though, talks about how the shepherd will leave his sheep with the other herders and he will go up to those tables and he will scout out where the best fields are. Sometimes he'll bring minerals with him or salt or other things and he'll strategically lay them out. But he's figuring out where the sheep should go and where they will spend that summer. Right? Feeding and grazing up there in those highlands. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, always with an eye out for the predators. But grazing in the highlands is not perfect, there are difficulties, there are annoyances, and there are problems. Two of the biggest ones are parasites and flies. Another big one is the disease called scabs. Parasites and flies are not just annoying to sheep, but they can be downright dangerous. The flies like to buzz around their head and drop the eggs in their nose. And the warm moisture from that allows the eggs to to hatch and the larvae to get established. For relief, the sheep will beat their heads against trees and rocks and posts and bush. And so the shepherd keeps his eyes out for these kinds of things to see, and make sure that his sheep are okay. He'll look for scab, which is a a very highly contagious disease. Not unlike uh, empatigo for us humans, it can travel quickly from sheep to sheep. In both instances, in both instances, the shepherd will use a mixture of oil and sulfur. And in Philip Keller's case, they used tar with it. But in Palestine in those days, they probably used spices with it. And it would heal the sheep. And it would keep the flies away. It would protect the sheep and keep them healthy. It is at the table that God ministers to us. He serves us by not only leading us to higher ground, but continuing His intimate care and oversight, making sure that we are safe and that we are healthy and that we will flourish against the annoyances and afflictions and illnesses of life. And the end of the psalm is in the house of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the late fall, the shepherd and his sheep return home. The pastors back home have rested; and they're replenished. The sheep return with their master, who continues his intimate care of them. The safe journey back proves that the sheep have wisely placed their trust in their shepherd. There is no difficulty, no dilemma, no disaster that the good shepherd cannot bring his sheep through. David acknowledges this when he says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy follow the sheep because the good shepherd, the master has watched over them and he continues to watch. The word goodness here is a word that can be used in different ways. First of all, it can speak to something as practical as morally good or kindness. But it can also speak to that which is abstract and artistic. It can be translated beautiful, delightful, or pleasing. And mercy is the Old Testament word hesed. The NIV translates it the steadfast, loving kindness. It is the undeserved, unfailing, transforming love of God that is at the heart of His grace which saves us. I imagine that when David wrote this psalm, he didn't write it as a young man, but as an old man, when he had time to reflect upon the goodness and mercy of God, the breadth and the depth of it toward him. David is a hero in the Bible, a great man. He began his life as a shepherd, he was anointed as a young man, to be a great warrior king, and he would lead God's people to the promise that God made to them in the Exodus, giving them rest on all sides. But David was also a great sinner. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer he was a liar, he was proud, he was stubborn. And yet, he was also repentant. And God said he was a man after my own heart. David knew the goodness and mercy of God. And perhaps today there's someone here who thinks, ah, God's love for me, how can He love me? I'm not okay. Well, you may not be okay, but God can still love you. His goodness and mercy can still cover you. If God can do that for David, He can do that for you if you'll place your trust in Jesus, the Good Shepherd. That what He did on the cross was enough that he paid the price for all your wrongdoing, for all your sin, and gave you God's love in its place, and the righteousness that was his in its place, and the Holy Spirit to help you in its place. Don't give up on the good shepherd, ever. He will see you through and he will never leave you. Often when we sing about God's faithfulness, tears come to my eyes because I know that truth personally. He has never left me. No matter what, no matter how hard, no matter whether I sense him or not, he has been there. As I look back on it, he has been as faithful as he said he would be in Scripture. And I know that there are many of you here who could say a great amen to that. In the house, God brings us safely home to be with him. I think that's why the 23rd Psalm is is read so often at funerals. When we go home to be with the Lord, it is right and fitting. Now my words today don't explain why the 23rd Psalm is so inspiring, why it's so comforting, why it leaves us feeling so peaceful and confident and secure. But here's what I do know. God inspired the words of that psalm. The Holy Spirit inspired David to write it. And maybe you're like me, a city kid. You don't know anything about sheep. But down deep inside, something in you can relate to that complete reliance, that need for the good shepherd. And when we read this psalm, the Holy Spirit quickens us and brings us an overwhelming sense of peace and comfort because of the Lord's presence with us, because we know he will provide, he will protect, he will minister and serve, and he will bring us safely home. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you have made as the good shepherd. That none shall ever steal us away from you. That you will always be faithful. I was amazed, Lord, this week as I read Philip Keller's book, how how much work there is to be a good shepherd. When I think about you being not just my good shepherd, but the good shepherd of everyone here and everyone who believes in you, how diligent you are in that, how you care for us, It is an overwhelming thought to consider. One, though, Lord, that brings great peace and comfort. Continue to lead us in the pastures, through the valleys, to the tables, and at home again until we are with you forever. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Let's stand and sing this prayer to to God. Tire and I long to a